In the mid-1400s, German goldsmith Johannes Gutenberg took an old idea from China and Korea and added a small adaptation. The Chinese had invented a woodblock printing contraption in the 9th century, and the Koreans had taken that idea and changed it to movable metal type by the 1300s. Gutenberg made one tiny change. He added a screw-type wine press to squeeze down evenly on the inked metal type. The printing press was born. That made mass production of books very inexpensive, and books on every imaginable topic were suddenly everywhere. Gutenberg was rich! Actually, that's not true at all. The first job for Gutenberg's invention was to print 200 copies of the Bible in Latin. That took three years. Then there was another problem. Not many people read books, let alone read Latin. Those Bibles just sat on a shelf. Gutenberg was impounded by his creditors. He eventually died dirt poor, a complete failure. What was needed was a distribution network. The central shipping hub of the Mediterranean at the time was Venice. Local printers used a printing press, started selling news pamphlets to sailors. When their ships arrived in distant ports, local printers there would copy the pamphlets and hand them to riders who would then race them off to dozens of different small towns. Now, literacy rates were still so low that locals would gather at a pub to hear a paid reader recite the latest news. This was a radical change. Now people had access to information, to ideas. It sparked the Italian Renaissance. A German monk named Martin Luther became a best-read author, leading to the Protestant Revolution. In the 17th century, Sir Francis Bacon, who's credited with developing the scientific method, wrote, Three inventions forever changed the world. Gunpowder, the nautical compass, and the printing press. Today, on Stories and Strategies, the ideas within public relations and marketing may not be entirely new, but the tools, and the tools that go with those tools, certainly are. My name is Doug Downs. My guest this week is Anna Crow of Crow PR, joining us today from San Diego. Hello, Anna. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good. And it's like kind of useless for me to ask you how the weather is in San Diego. As I've said before, it's let me guess. It's um, 77 degrees and mostly sunny with a few clouds outside, right? Something like that. Well, Something like that. It is winter after all, so we did dip down a little bit, but uh, I do not see many clouds in the sky, correct? What's dip down? Like, are you like shivering in 71 or something like that? <laughs> oh, late 60s. We're in the 60s. Oh, my it's God. winter. Oh, I my. know. I know. Seal the windows. <laughs> Anna, your company, Crow PR, works with Fortune 500 and mid sized consumer goods, healthcare technology, and hospitality brands throughout the United States and Europe. You help them generate revenue growth, penetrate new markets, launch products, gain brand recognition, 
and CEO Reputational Capital. You have 20 years experience. Uh, you're, you were a recent finalist of San Diego Business Journal's Woman of the Year, congratulations, and Most Admired CEO Awards. Congratulations on that. Thank you. A finalist for San Diego Magazine's Woman of the Year Industry Leader and the recipient of the 2018 40 Under 40 Leadership Award. You have a Bachelor of Science from Rutgers Business School and an international MBA from the University of San Diego. So, Anna, on the one hand, the way things move at lightning speed, it almost feels awkward to call search engine optimization, digital marketing, influencer marketing, new tools, because these are starting to feel like what they are. They're becoming table stakes. But in another sense, the reality is none of us are masters of all of them, let alone even one of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, and to your point, however, it is getting a lot more integrated. There are different actions that customers take today than they did five years ago or even two years ago in a pre-COVID world. And so from a marketing and PR perspective, we need to be looking at items like search engine optimization, social media, influencer marketing, digital marketing, public relations, all of those, and really figuring out the right combination of tactics. So you have a couple of case study examples that we can go through. Tell me about Dermtech, uh, what you did for them, uh, and how you use some of these, quote, new tools. Absolutely. So for anyone who is not aware, Dermtech is the leading genomics company in dermatology. So um, the company's developed a smart sticker. It's a technology that lifts skins from the surface of the skin. Uh, sorry, lifts skin cells from the surface of the skins and is um, able to test them at the lab for the presence of different genomic markers that are associated with melanoma, right? So uh, one of the campaigns that we do annually for this company is uh, Time with Melanoma Awareness Month, which falls on May. And obviously, as the word suggests, this is the month where the deadly uh, skin cancer is recognized and educated upon, etc. And so uh, we generally put together uh, a big integrated marketing campaign timed with Melanoma Awareness Month that kicks off on Melanoma Monday, that first Monday of the month. And over the years, we've really developed and further integrated these campaigns to make sure that we're really touching customers and the, uh, different types of stakeholders. So whether they are dermatologists, so more on the B2B side, or they're consumers, uh, we're creating these integrated campaigns. And that was my point earlier about identifying how our customers engaging with brands, right? How are they getting information from different brands? And so uh, in that particular campaign, we started the first year with creating a pledge. So we are inspiring people to take the pledge to check their skin because melanoma is does not need to be deadly if it's found early. The earlier that people catch it, the better. And how do they catch it? By checking their skin, right? Whether it's with a dermatologist and at home as well. And so for that, obviously, there is the press element, uh, making sure that we're announcing that this campaign exists, that we're encouraging people to drive traffic to the website to find a specialist so they can check their skin. But we can't reach every single consumer through press alone. There are people that get information different ways, right? Different demographics get a lot of their information through social media, for instance. So did you, on the earned media side, was it newspaper, a mix of newspaper, radio, TV? What what was the, and where did you lean? One Absolutely. Way or the other? Yes, it was absolutely a mix. 
broadcast, right? So if you think about different regional markets, people watching TV in their regional markets, uh, we are able to leverage KOLs or key opinion leaders such as dermatologists to talk about uh, ways to look for melanoma signs. So not necessarily promoting, the goal was not to promote derm tech specifically, although the technology exists, but to educate consumers to save lives. And so yes, broadcast was a big part of it. Uh, we did regional, we did national TV like the Today Show. And then in addition to that, of course, print media, uh, digital media, and other channels like podcasts, like we're doing today to educate people. Um, how, how heavily did you lean on paid media percentage-wise? Yeah, earned media was definitely the driver, particularly in the first year. However, we did complement it with organic and paid social. And the biggest uh, addition was the in use of influencers. So leveraging partnerships with... The KOLs. Well, yes, there's the influencers that are in the space as dermatologists. And there are uh, influencers that are more like celebrities or social media influencers that had a personal relationship with melanoma, whether they had been diagnosed early in their life, they lost a family member to melanoma. So these are true authentic stories that these people were able to bring to the surface to show their followers, readers, viewers that, hey, here's how, uh, why this is important and why you should go out there and check your skin. And what'd you find in terms of results? Any surprises? Uh, how did it go? Uh, it was great. Obviously, every year the campaign gets more and more notoriety. Uh, but I would say even right out of the gate, we were able to drive thousands of pledges to the website. So people to the website to look for a specialist if they didn't have a dermatologist. Because I don't know if you know this, a lot of people don't go to see a dermatologist and check their skin. I've never been. There you I go. Have. Right. I live in Canada, but still. Well, right. But even, even on the um, not so sunny days, there's exposure, right? And so even on cloudy days is what I meant to say. So the idea is to uh, get people equipped with the right information. Uh, also, seeing the, seeing the practitioner as well as what they can do at home. So we drove thousands of pledges to the website, people saying, hey, uh, I will check my skin. And the reason we did pledges is for every pledge, for every person visiting the website, the company would donate $5 to an association, a nonprofit that deals with skin cancer, including melanoma, like the Melanoma Research Foundation. And you're harnessing that momentum of if my neighbor is signing up or someone I know and respect that's someone just like me or someone I'm familiar with, that encourages me more. Absolutely. Even if an influencer with millions of followers is saying, hey, guys, this is why it's important. And you are a Gen Z or a millennial or someone who's getting their information through social media predominantly. Now we've got their eyes and ears. Okay. And the Holston House project. Tell me about that one. Yeah, so the Holston House is a great lifestyle hotel right in the center of Nashville. I don't know if you've been to Nashville. Have you spent much time there? I have not. That That's a convention city. I, I would love to go, <laughs> but I've not. Let me know when you do. So we have this great property. It's steps away from Broadway, which is the main downtown hub where all the bars and entertainment is. And we um, came up with a concept for this client to do a pop-up a bar timed with Halloween. And so it was this beautiful, you know, setup with decorations and um, recreating some popular movies where we had kind of a, a, a nod to some popular Halloween movies. And of course, cocktails galore with smoke and fire and all the things you can think of. And so the idea is, of course, to create this temporary setting for an amount, amount of days to drive that, um, you know, interest and demand to go during that time period. Awesome. Awesome. And what did you find on the, at the end of the campaign? What worked? What, uh, what might need to be adjusted? Yeah. So of course we want to get the word out through media, 
right? Through regional media. And we leaned heavily on influencers in this case as well. Again, so okay. one thing that worked really well um, is we cre- we had a special media and influencer event before the bar opened so they can get a sneak peek. And then they would tell all their followers and in the press, hey, this is coming up. These are the days. Book it before it sells out. And it's actually got sold out. We had lines around the blocks for hours. We had people reaching out to us, not even the hotel, seeing if they can get a table or get in before this pop-up bar ended. And then we leveraged social media quite a bit for this one as well. Podcasting. Now there's an idea. You listen to podcasts. Maybe a podcast is right for you or one of your clients. Stories and Strategies is a full podcast production company with clients in the United States, as well as Canada, Great Britain, and Australia. If you want to chat, send me an email, doug at storiesandstrategies.ca, and we'll set up that chat. Let's talk podcasts. Tell me about the work you do to find the influencers and it, it may be specific to these two projects, but just in general, um, and are influencers as influential in 2022, 2023 as they perhaps were in 2018, 2019? Right. Well, of course, as I'm sure you know, Doug, anyone with a cell phone can be considered an influencer in <laughs> right. the modern world, right? So a lot of brands spend money without any ROI if they don't have an influencer strategy and influencer relations and a process. So for us, we've spent the last few years really honing in on the community, just like with media, right? Why do we call it media relations? We work with media, we develop the relationships, we tell the stories to make sure that they're interesting and relevant for the publication, for their viewers. Same thing with the influencer side. We develop relationships, understanding who are the right movers and shakers. And it has evolved, to your point, quite a bit. You know, in the beginning, it was the big celebrities who had thousands of followers, then they became very expensive and it's hard to justify the return on investment. So then we had these nano and micro influencers pop up. So it might be someone with a thousand or 2000 followers, but we look at engagement rate. How engaged is their audience and how connected are they to the brand? So is it an authentic component? Then promoting a certain brand product, whatever it is, we've got consumer goods, we've got hotels, we've got uh, other healthcare companies. Is that influencer the right partner? So that's part of the work that our team does. There are also some tools and softwares, databases where these influencers can get aggregated. We've tested out a few of those. And uh, so it's a combination of those. Could, could you share what some, what some of those are? That that would be of interest, I think, uh, sure. uh, to me. To, to, what are those and, and how do they, well, how do they help is an easy question, but h- how do they not help as much as perhaps they say they do? Yeah, so a couple that come to mind, there's one called Tagger, there's one called Influence.co. They are uh, really aggregate tools to try to save money, right? I think probably a lot of them could be AI-based. Well, there's definitely software involved. I'm not sure all the technology behind the scenes. Um, And when they're working well, uh, you do get a great list of people to work with. Now, it does not fully eliminate the manual because you still have to reach out to them. You still have to negotiate deals. And we want to make sure it is as authentic as possible. You could probably with certain softwares, book an influencer, pay the money, but it's very hard to make sure that that ROI is going to be there, uh, especially for smaller brands, right? Or mid-sized brands that don't have millions of dollars in marketing budget. So, so that, that takes me to, to SEO. Um, one of the 
common conundrum, not conundrums, but one of the, the everyday challenges that I have is, is writing in a way that makes the word searchable for my client. Now there's all kinds of tools that I'll use to, okay, this word, this word, we need to use this here. And it's almost like I preassemble my word tools and then I take my human brain and try to write something because I still want human eyeballs to look at it and like it and to think that a human is talking to them because nothing turns me off more than something that is just so clearly AI written. And I'm sorry, there is no perfect AI tool out there that <laughs> defeats that. How, how do you, do you experience the same thing and, and how do you go about resolving that when you're using SEO? Yeah. So our take on SEO is a little bit different because we truly leverage public relations for SEO. I'm sure, you know, Google trusts websites like Forbes or USA Today or you know, dentistry.com more than they trust most brands mm -hmm. because these are publications that have been, you know, proven and there's a lot of activity and traffic through those. So our work, and I believe at this point, uh, articles in those publications, different types of publications attribute to a really large chunk of SEO, like over 40%. So the way we work it is we create pitches to reporters that um, are different, unique, and highly Googleable, right? As they say. <laughs> well done. Yes. <laughs> and so we want to make sure that there's a story there. And that's how we also break through to the reporters. You know, five reasons you must look at this. Top 10 holiday gifts. These are things that people are searching. And so we want to make sure that we're making it just as easy for reporters to get the story out there. And, and moving from what we call the, the new but familiar tools to the tools that are coming um, in on tomorrow's landscape and in, in part are already here. Uh, your thoughts on the next wave of change, artificial intelligence already here, but coming in a big way right around the corner and then virtual reality, including the metaverse. Yes, of course. Well, it's technology is so drastically changing the way brands are engaging with customers, right? Even when TikTok first came to the market, we were looking at it from a, really consumer to consumer uh, platform. And then all of a sudden brands started advertising, then it continues growing. Now there's influencers on there. So all of these are developing at rapid speed because TikTok, is, as you know, has only been around for a handful of years and that's already mm -hmm. evolved in such a way. So mm -hmm. I think as we go into 2023 and beyond, we are going to see a lot more automation. We are going to see a lot more ways to um, efficiently market but with it, it's going to come a lot of challenges as well. I mean, take social media, for instance. Brands were gung-ho spending millions of dollars on Instagram and Facebook for many years to advertise. And that created a different type of demand. And then algorithms changed. And then you weren't getting the same bang for your buck, right? Four or five years ago, you could spend $10. You might make 15 on it, 20 on it, 30 on it, 100 on it. Then that changes. You maybe make a dollar, $2, more or less. So I think as this, as these tools come everything's going to continue to shift and evolve and just keep us in this dynamic marketplace. And so we have to step back as marketers and say, okay, what is really driving ROI? Is, yes, we may have an automated tool, but is it creating the behavior we need with our customers? And we, I think we're going to keep using, um, you know, the human element possibly in a different way, but we're going to continue to use the human element because the, at least in the next three to five years, I definitely see that. A lot of customers come to us, those that maybe have been around 5, 10, 20 years and have used different marketing tactics and say, hey, what we did 10 years ago, is that going to work today? And there are some tools, you know, with, think about press releases. 
Does press release still exist? Yes, it does exist. Is it used in the same exact way? Yes, no, maybe so. And what other tactics are we, um, you know, seeing out there. I think the most important thing is to remember what is driving a brand's success. What are those success metrics? What is driving fueling business growth? If business growth is the key metric. And then how are the marketing tactics of today, the technology that exists today, and the human connections that exist today can help deliver on those goals and continuously reassessing that quarter by quarter, year by year. We cannot set and forget. We have to keep reassessing because to your point, things are continuously in flux. You mean I can't build my communications plan, put it away, and not look at it as I execute the project? <laughs> I mean, you could, but then, thing? but then come hire us so that we can change it up for you and put it on track. Great. So you could fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I appreciate this. Of course. Yeah. No, my pleasure. And I really appreciate chatting you with about this. It's my favorite topics out there. Me too. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Anna Crow, best way is to send an email to info at crowpr.com. It's crow with an E on the end, and it's in the show notes. Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Stories and Strategies podcasts. Special request. If you enjoyed this episode, do us a favor, recommend it on just one social media channel. Tag us. All of our socials are in the show notes. And we're going to DM you with information about a special gift that we want to send you anywhere in the world. Thanks for listening.